In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Like my friend and your pastor, Vince and Mary Getkin were from the fine state of Iowa, gateway to Nebraska, I am told. Vince and Mary Getkin became famous in the 1990s for one thing and one thing only, their suffering. So I would like you to get to know them a little bit. The Getkins had 11, that's right, 11 children, one better than the patriarch Job. Of the seven sons of Vince and Mary Getkin, six were hemophiliacs, one of whom died at the age of 11, and the other five all died of AIDS, their ages ranging from 33 to 46 years old. Two of them infected their wives, and they died, and one of them gave birth to an AIDS baby, and that child died. Suffering of this magnitude numbs your senses as you consider their profound grief. The Getkin sons had received the blood product Factor VIII, which in the 1970s was hailed as a breakthrough for hemophiliacs. However, Factor VIII was the synthesis of as many as 20,000 blood donors per unit. This, of course, explains the how. The weightier question, the why, that is what is so elusive, so troubling, so difficult. Our minds reel as did the patriarch Job's under the impact of suffering. When I lie down, when shall I arise? But the night continues and I am continually tossing until dawn. He laments his own bodily ailments and sufferings and then concludes, Remember that my life is but a breath and my eye will never see good again. Life is like that sometimes. Job had lost all of his cattle, all his children, and was now laid waste and suffered with his own disease. Not exactly your best life now. Some people who come to church like you fine people of St. John come into the presence of God burdened by your own sufferings. We put on a good appearance, even at times a good mask, but beneath our smiling and pleasant faces and kind demeanor, many of us have things that weigh upon us heavier than life itself. Sometimes these things are physical, like the bodily ailments we heard in the gospel. Sometimes they are demonic, and we can hardly find peace from the evil that vexes us, sins that burden us by which we are tormented. Sometimes our sufferings are emotional, psychological, marital, familial, but it seems not one of us is left unscathed. 
Recently, I went to the doctor because of that nagging, nasty cough that is going around and which I got from my wife. As I sat in the waiting room, I thought to myself, unless it's something innocuous like a physical or sports exam, we don't end up here unless something is wrong. It dawned on me that that can be true about church, too. We are not necessarily here because everything is good in the hood, but because often in one way, shape, form, or another, it is not well with our soul. It is not well with our life. It is not well with our health or our emotions. Why does specific suffering come our way? It always seems to be unsatisfactory to answer, I don't know. We do realize, of course we do, that certain behaviors have certain consequences. We know that. But what we also can say is that we should never jump to the conclusion that amounts to they must have had it coming. In other words, God's quid pro quo. The evidence is not there for that, my friends. Because if that were true, then most churches would be filled with mutes, if for no other reason than the sin of gossip. And Job, who is the Old Testament poster boy for suffering, Job, we are told, was a righteous man. Suffering, as much as can be discerned, is a byproduct, a consequence of our fallenness. It is what we have brought on, what Adam brought upon us all. The road away from God, lined with the promise of being like God, knowing good and evil, that fool's gold yellow brick road is lined with suffering. It will serve us well to remind ourselves that God did not create us for the purpose of suffering. It is the essence of the corruption of creation's tumble and descent from the fall. Creation groans, says St. Paul. It has touched everything and everyone, and sooner or later it touches you and me. So our eye then again catches the gospel this morning. Peter's mother-in-law is very ill with a fever. Dr. Jesus makes a house call and he heals her and she begins to serve them. That is what gratitude to God for his gifts looks and sounds like. The word spreads. By evening, they begin to bring to him all who are ill and demon-possessed. So I want you to see in your mind's eye this community of people who are suffering, who are drawn to Jesus. St. Mark tells us that the entire city was gathered at the door. Wouldn't that be something if we had the entire city of Wheaton right outside your narthex. 
and many who were ill and demon-possessed were healed, no appointments necessary. Suffering draws us and directs us to Jesus. That's the lesson of the gospel this morning, friends, because it hopes in God. Despite Job's intense suffering, which when prodded by his wife to curse God and die, he exclaims, Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? Please remember that, because you might need to remember that when that suffering finds you. In all illness, in all adversity, we are reminded of something as a creature. We never have the luxury of forgetting we are mortal creatures. In our flesh and blood, our corruptibility, our flesh as grass withers and as the flower decays. But the good news is, is that God has come in our flesh to bear our infirmities for us, being directed to him who went about doing good and healing. We are directed to him who was making all things new. And we are also directed to him in his suffering, his pain, his agony, all of which he endured for us. And we see that God vindicated him and did not disappoint him, raising him from the dead, giving his body incorruptibility and immortality. This is the kingdom that Jesus brings. Our gospel this morning portends of a time sans suffering, to which the church can only pray, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Like medicine that has the antidote to death, the church dispenses the healing body of Jesus to those who in her waiting room, the church, God attaches the body and life and health of Jesus to our mortal bodies. Only in eternity will we know the perfect health and strength we so need and crave. However, in this transitory life, we can only hope and pray for help and healing knowing that just like the people of our gospel, Peter's mother-in-law will get ill again, some will get the flu, others will get cancer, and heart disease, and AIDS, and whatever else you can think of or have experienced in your life or in the life of your loved ones. Suffering affords us the opportunity to love those who need us to care for people who hurt, and to stoop down into the same real-world suffering that our Lord stooped down into. Suffering directs us to Jesus. And as we find in him our hope, our life, we recognize we need him. And so we come to him in the day of trouble, and our life, even in our darkest moments, 
is filled with light and life, and the hope of that life by which we will be made new creatures. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.